We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Food for thought. 2022. You probably didn't expect to be hearing these voices so early in the summer, but we're ready to roll. There's always drama in the National Football League, and if you listen to Food for Thought last season, you know the Chief and I were always chopping it up, bringing on some great guests, giving you a little bit of a preview, but talking about everything from your favorite food to Aaron Rodgers being a game manager. Gotta love that one, Chief. How are you, Will Priester? Oh, you know what time it is. I am ready to go. We're bringing it in hot. Let me turn this off. I can't remember our copyright infringement practices. Five seconds or less. Hopefully that was five seconds. Glad to be on. Coming out the gates early this year. Uh, Usually you wouldn't get us until late August, early September, maybe a week or two before the season. But we're going to talk to a lot of people over the next few weeks. Uh, I'm going to give you your space, let you bring those people in. We had a show earlier. Uh, we talked about some of those beautiful people. And ladies and gentlemen, they, they are in the building, the virtual building. And we can actually all see each other, too. We do have our cameras on, but you can't see us, but we can see each other. It's freaking amazing. And uh, I'm glad to, to kick this thing off in July. Before we're, we're on before college football, like. Come on, people. Let's get the likes up. Get inside the building with this Food for Thought Pod 2022 coming in in a spectacular fashion. It gives us a chance to go off the rails more than we normally do. If you're looking for analytics, we have a little bit of that, but this is not your typical podcast. We will be bringing this to you guys typically on Tuesdays. We'll give a little bit of a look ahead, a little bit of review, talk about whatever's going on in the league. Uh, and this early in the summer, give us a chance to make some predictions, talk about some divisions. We're going to do some division previews until the season kicks off. We're going to start with the NFC South today. We have a loaded guest list coming on with us in the near future, too. But we got two great ones in the house tonight. And first, I want to bring in TJ Zwarich, who I found out wanted to be in Food for Thought because I saw him talking in one of our Grinders live chats. And then I Heard him talking some smack that he could play a little hoop in his day as well. And he's a Saints fan and Chiefs a Panthers fan. So the stars were aligning and I had to hit up TJ and say, you got to come on a podcast with us. What's going on, buddy? Thanks for joining us. Of course, I couldn't wait to be on. And, you know, 
I'm aggressively tilting some MLB DFS. And lately it's been a, it's been a season of almost for me, just switching teams, almost having the right one. And so I can't wait to just put this in the rearview mirror, get to NFL, the superior sport, the superior DFS sport. And uh, I'm ready to talk about my uh, New Orleans Saints. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. It's great to have you on the team, you know, joining the RG family in the winter solely because you want to play in the RG basketball game, apparently. So I've been calling out Roth on Twitter for years because he always talks a big game. And so I put more time into my DFS game so I could win a lot of money and get RG's attention so I could join the squad just so I could infiltrate the RG basketball game. We'll see. Hopefully that comes to uh, fruition now that the pandemic is like in the rear view mirror for the most no. part. I miss you guys. <laughs> I, I think it's coming this this February. I, I think we're going to be in Nashie Town mashing it up. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about this. I don't care if it's before then. Uh, just let me know. Bags will be packed. Tickets will be purchased. Uh, flights will commence. Re- ready to go. And, and last but not least, uh, I'm so happy to introduce the commish who's been chopping it up on scores and odds and roto grinders with us, you know, since basketball season. Does a lot of fantastic handicapping, a lot of great writing. You can find the stuff on roto grinders and also on the news section of scores and odds. And he gives us premium picks as well. The commish, his Twitter handle is at Delphi commish. You know, you built up a beautiful product yourself. And I'm so thrilled that you're a part of our team, man. Thanks for joining us. How are you, commish? I'm doing great, man. I was really excited to to get your invite to be on the show. Listen to you guys a lot last year. Super excited that football's coming back around. I definitely have my hands full with baseball on a day-to-day basis. It's it's definitely the most demanding sport from my perspective. But always always happy to get on, talk some Tom Brady, talk some NFL. Uh, looking forward to to being on with you guys. Yeah, Tom Brady, the third best quarterback in the NFC South, right? Um... Yeah. All right, all right. We're gonna have a lot to talk about Tom Brady, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome to have you on the show. And, you know, the idea of getting started early was, of course, after the Baker Mayfield trade. And uh, I thought of Chief right away. And uh, we'll talk about some win totals and some problems and things like that. But finally, Chief has the floor to give his like semi-public reaction on the Carolina Panthers and what the hell are they doing in that quarterback room? What's what was the point of this move chief? I mean, I'll just mute my mic and let you go on a tear if you want. So first off, uh, you're not going to get my raw thoughts. Cause if you, if you had those, it would, it would have had to have been uh, when I'm sitting, sitting around at home and the notifications are coming across my phone and I'm getting text messages and one from my dear friend, Mr. Justin Carlucci. And he's like, need to get a food for thought going immediately for my dear friend because the Carolina Panthers just went and decided that Baker Mayfield was someone that they needed to go after. Not only that, just literally a few days, let's call it a week before, we've got the the head ball coach, and no, I'm not talking about Steve Spurrier. Uh, I'm talking about the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule, He's saying that Sam Darnold is the guy. What in the world is going on? Then, not only that, we, we go and draft what I consider to be a really steal of the draft uh, in Matt Corral, and we're bringing in freaking Baker Mayfield. What 
is happening in Carolina. I've already said this. I, I may even call in and complain like some of the local radio stations. I don't, I, I don't know what it's, it's probably 89.7, you know, some low number that's been around since 1978, but I need to call in and complain because Matt Corral is the future folks. And here's why I'm saying he's the future. Baker Mayfield, I feel like he's been given his fair share. You know how I feel about this, Luke. I don't write off any quarterbacks until they've been given their fair shake at the position. He's in Cleveland. He went through some turmoil, had Hugh Jackson, had Freddie Kitchens, and then he got Stefanski, and I feel like he's gotten his fair share. Now, uh, could he have used some more stability in the organization? Absolutely. I will never argue that. Do I think Baker Mayfield has a really big personality? Sure. Does he do well on the Hulu commercials? Absolutely. Do I think he's the franchise quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? I absolutely do not. Here's what I will say. For what we gave up to get him, it's probably worth it. That's the only thing I can say here. But I'd rather just go ahead and play the rookie, let him take his lumps, and let's see what we have. Sam Darnold is not the answer. Last year, we played Sam Darnold. We played P.J. Washington. We played Cam Newton. And sometimes I think we played all three in the same game. Okay, that's an exaggeration. But we absolutely played two in the same game week to week. P.J. Washington comes in, throws an interception. Cam Newton's back out there. We're going to see the same thing this year. Matt Rule may be with the team six weeks unless they're being kind and they're just going to let him finish out this season. Uh, If we don't get it together this year under Matt Rule, he's got to go. And I'm not going to blame Baker Mayfield for that. I'm blaming Matt Rule and what I feel like is going to be his incompetence to coach a national football league team. Great college coach. Don't have anything against him personally. uh, But listen, when it comes to the NFL, buddy, let's get some stability going. And it's going to have to start at the quarterback position. We can't have Russian roulette at the quarterback position. It's got to be now. We got to have a guy. And I don't care if we lose every game, but pick a guy and stick with them. This isn't high school. This isn't the rec league. This is the national football league and I'm, I'm just gonna let it go there because tj's probably sitting there laughing at me internally uh we got the commission here and I, I want him to come back again i don't want to run him off before we even get this thing started but i am very very frustrated with the panthers and their decision to pick up baker outside of giving up a later round draft pick to get someone and we don't have to pay all the salary. That's about the only good thing I can say. I know I said I would let it go, and I'm still freaking talking, but it's, oh, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Uh, let me fact just go about over. the Panthers QB room is uh, Sam Darnold and Matt Corral are actually closer in age than Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. It, it's, it's terrible. It, it's so terrible. In fact, let me just go over who we lost. So Daquan Jones is gone. Hassan Reddick is gone off the defense. Jermaine Carter Jr. is gone, and Stephon Gilmore is gone. We got Deontay Foreman, who's a free agent running back, was playing for the uh, the, the Titans last season when uh, Derrick Henry was out. Derrick Henry like, let's call him that. Too bad we're not going to give him the ball. We're just going to run Christian McCaffrey in the ground for the first two games, and then it'll be hurt again. Uh, we picked up Rashard Higgins, wide receiver free agent. 
Uh, we picked up Akeem Ikonu. He's the offensive tackle in the draft. Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett, Matt Ioannidis, Damian Wilson, Corey Littleton, Xavier Woods, and Matt Corral. Guess what we didn't do? We didn't really do anything to bolster the offense like we should have. I'm just, I'm letting it go right there. I'm just letting it go. Hop in here, Justin, before I take this thing even more off the rails. I'm done talking about the Panthers for now. Please, somebody save this podcast early, as you can sense my frustration with the Carolina Panthers organization. Still my favorite team. Going to have my DJ Moore jersey on every freaking Sunday, the blue one. I'm probably going to have all the colors before the season is over. But uh, very disappointed in what we've done thus far. Muted myself. TJ, what was your instant reaction from the deal? I'm fine with Baker Mayfield being the starting quarterback in my division. I'm uh, I'm have no issue with that as a Saints fan. Granted, I wasn't much worried about a rookie or uh, or uh, Sam Darnold, anyways. And I'm just happy to be having a QB who got LASIK and now he can see. This is a guy who spent most of his career unable to see and being almost legally blind. And now uh, Jameis Winston has 20-20 vision and uh, he's ready to lead the New Orleans Saints to a division championship. Uh, Kamish, does this move the needle for you with your perspective on the Carolina Panthers at all? And by the way, Kamish is going to be doing a lot of cool stuff on scores and odds for us. A lot of previews and a lot of Twitter spaces. So if you're a fan, uh, the commission is going to be bringing some Twitter spaces to preview a bunch of stuff on scores and odds in the near future. Looking forward to that. But uh, what, what does this do for the Panthers? If anything, Kamish? I, I don't think it does much of anything. They might get a week one win out of it against the Browns. There might be a little bit of a, a revenge factor there, but other than that, I, I don't think Baker Mayfield is a very good quarterback. I don't think he was as bad as he was last year. I, I think he, killed his own stock in a lot of ways, trying to play through some pretty serious injuries. His left arm was pretty much falling off of his body. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to throw a football or a baseball, but when your arm is literally falling off your body, it's impossible to be accurate uh, doing anything more than more than 10 yards down the field. And if you look at the advanced metrics from last year, that pretty much tanked his entire season. He had a, a, a 10 to two touchdown interception ratio on throws 10 yards or less downfield, but uh, deeper throws was eight to 11 touchdowns interception. So I don't, I don't think he's going to do much. I don't think he's going to be able to push the ball down the field the way the Carolina Panthers are going to need to, to win football games. I think he has a significantly worse offensive line in Carolina than he did in Cleveland last year. Baker Mayfield was sacked a lot, but a lot of that was his own doing. If, if, if you looked, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if you guys know I'm from Cleveland. So I have the Browns on my TV Every single week, I, I see all the Twitter chatter. I, I see the local news. I, I All my friends, family, all Cleveland Browns fans. Baker Mayfield is a, a very hot topic in the city. A lot of people are very grateful for him, and rightfully so, because he got us our first playoff win in the 21st century, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. Uh, that, that'll be an iconic moment that people cherish for, forever. But his attitude in Cleveland, I think, was a huge reason that Cleveland decided to move on from him. And I, I think – especially looking at the replacement, a guy like Deshaun Watson, who had a lot of ambiguity around his playing status for this upcoming season and going forward with the, with the allegations against him. The fact that the Browns wanted to move on from Baker Mayfield and thought that he had character issues and, and things of that nature, but were comfortable moving to Deshaun Watson, I think paints a pretty clear picture of how bad it was within the Browns locker room. You hear stuff around town. You hear stuff from people that are on the sidelines that uh, are, are local news reporters or people that just get, 
passes from their friends and things like that. And everybody will tell you that opposing teams would come into Cleveland and they would, they would tell Jarvis or they would tell the scouts or they would tell the people in the analytics department, Hey man, you guys got no shot with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. So I don't think that's going to change in Carolina. I don't buy into the revenge narrative. I, outside of Tom Brady after Deflategate, I really don't think there's many people in the NFL that are capable of just turning on a switch like that, especially a guy like Baker Mayfield, who has been, he's been consistently mediocre or worse throughout his career. I thought he over overperformed as a rookie, but still made a lot of errant throws, just didn't get penalized for them as a lot of, as often as he probably could have. I thought he regressed in his sophomore campaign, played pretty well. Obviously we want a playoff game the year after that, but I think a lot of that had to do with Kevin Stefanski. I thought, I thought our game plans that that season were fantastic, obviously helped being behind arguably the best offensive line in all of football. Last year, we saw the Browns had a lot of injuries in the offensive line. Uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt were out of the lineup. We had the the nonsense going on with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Guys like that, are they're obviously key contributors, but if you look around the league, guys like Tom Brady, they can overcome that. Guys like Aaron Rodgers can play with Devontae Adams and a, a, pair, of CYO, a pair of CYO guys at receiver, and he can get the job done. Aaron so Rodgers think- actually cannot play with Devontae Adams anymore. <laughs> Can't wait until we get to the NFC North week. Sorry, Commish. Please continue. No, you're good. Hey, as, as a huge Tom Brady fan, I can't wait to see Aaron Rodgers uh, w- without any valid weapons on the outside to see truly how good Aaron Rodgers is. But, but yeah, to get back to your question, I, like Baker Mayfield in, in Carolina, will will he succeed? I doubt it. Maybe he has a few games. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield long term is a, a starting quarterback on bad teams. Think of Ryan Fitzpatrick, or he's going to be a, a really competent backup on maybe a better team. But yeah, I mean, if as someone who is a huge Tom Brady fan. I'm, I'm very excited to, to see Baker Mayfield taking 25% of his competition away to win the division this upcoming fall. I guess just some of my thoughts are, and then I'll throw TJ and I'll, and I'll let Chief kind of put his stamp of approval or rejection on everything, I guess. is It's just like some of those this Browns roster, the Browns roster is, is pretty damn good. Like outside of, I mean, I know they've had some issues, but so like this isn't a Browns podcast, but you know, paints and it's like a murkier picture now of the franchises like how they view ethics and winning at all costs and bringing in a guy like Watson such a risk with everything going on off the field you know if they didn't like like you said if they didn't like Baker Mayfield's attitude like things just got really volatile now because if he doesn't play they got Jacoby Brissett and that's probably it and then you have this like Super Bowl-ish caliber roster with just the b- biggest question mark at quarterback. And I, I personally, I believe that the relationship with Baker at that point was beyond repair. Otherwise he would still be in Cleveland. He'd be on the roster. And clearly like they couldn't really get much for him. There was not a lot of leverage. So in the, the Panthers defense, it's not really a risk. It just makes things even more confusing. Maybe Matt rules trying really hard to finally get someone he wants and maybe save his job and not get fired, but it's probably inevitable. I just have the, you know, you're making the Baker Mayfield comparisons and Every time I think of, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm thinking of Sam Darnold now because we're talking about the Panthers quarterback room. I just have this, like, I apply this poor quarterback stigma to the list of USC drafted quarterbacks that were so highly touted and really weren't very good in the NFL. Of course, Sam Darnold, Matt Barkley. Mark Sanchez, I feel like it was kind of like a Baker Mayfield clone. I know he brought some of those Jets teams to the playoffs, you know, a decade ago already, but he had really, really good team around him, really good defense. And he was just, you know, what is he known for? The freaking butt fumble. He can never like, that's all he's known for. So I, I kind of feel like all these USC quarterbacks, 
you know, John David Booty, Matt Liner, and going down the list. Matt, hey, Hattles. watch how you speak on my guy, Matt Liner. I'm sorry, Carson Palmer in 03 was like the last above average quarterback, in my Welcome opinion. Welcome to the podcast, TJ. Your, you know. your favorite quarterback will be insulted if we don't like Aaron Rodgers on this podcast. Uh, don't no s- way we care about Matt Liner. You're throwing, uh, welcome aboard, buddy. You're throwing the we pronoun around pretty loosely. You have the beef there, Rodgers, my friend. But uh, anyway, yeah, TJ, I mean, I don't know. You know, If you have any other thoughts before I throw it over to the Chief, I'm going to look over uh, a couple of uh, props we have here on scores and odds while you guys are chopping it up. So I do think uh, there is some interesting parts to the Panthers that we got to talk about before moving on, and that's not Baker Mayfield. And it does seem like it would probably be Christian McCaffrey because, yes, he's obviously going to be a frequent in DFS lineups. He's going to be an early round pick in season long leagues. But I agree with uh, with Chief in the sense that, like, he's going to get worked into the ground the first couple games. There's we've seen him get hurt more and more often over the last couple of years. He's got one of the heftiest workloads in football. And this probably is uh, not the game script matters all that much for Christian McCaffrey. This is probably going to be a team that uh, isn't winning a lot of games this year. The people who I do would have interest in fantasy wise, uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. These are two of the guys, DJ Moore specifically, who is just a frequent a top of the league in um, poorly. What's the proper term for this? Like throws that were uncatchable. Targets that were uncatchable. DJ Moore, uh, the last two seasons, has led the league in targets that were uncatchable. And I think last year, Robbie Anderson was seventh. Um, So these are two guys that I'm interested in because it can't get worse in that sense. Even if it does, DJ Moore has still shown to be a very strong fantasy contributor. So um, whether it's Baker or Darnold or uh, the Rook, that's good it can't really get much worse for DJ Moore. And so that's somebody I I'm interested in from a fantasy perspective. You know, it's funny. He couldn't get Beckham the ball, uh, but like, but he found his other guys. Like, so maybe he'll lock on to one guy. You would think it would be DJ Moore, uh, Robbie Anderson on, you know, there's a, receipts everywhere on social media was commenting on IG posts saying he didn't want Baker Mayfield in Carolina. And uh, Robbie Anderson's a guy who couldn't score a touchdown. That, Robbie Anderson was the going back to the well guy every week in DFS tournaments last year because he had all these uncatchable balls and targets like you talked about, TJ. And the volume was there on certain weeks, but he didn't produce. And he was coming in at like 2% ownership in DK tournaments every week. So I, I really thought it would be better for Robbie Anderson. But after after that, I, I would, I guess I'd be shocked if they had any kind of chemistry or, or if there wasn't already some tension in that locker room, like it could get ugly. And by the way, over at Scores and Odds, we just have awesome tools. PropCast, I'm looking at all the odds and all the sports books right now for the NFC South division winners. You can get really good odds on the Panthers to win the division if you're a believer in whoever plays quarterback. They're 10 to 1 on your money pretty much everywhere, but uh, I probably think you're drinking a spike slushy if you're betting on the Panthers right now. Sorry, Chief. You don't have to apologize to me, man. I'm a realist and... Uh... I don't, I, I don't trust the, the Panthers at all. So the plus side is like, would you rather be the Panthers or the Falcons? Oh, we'll get I, there. I think I'd almost rather be the Falcons at this point. We'll we'll definitely get there. Um, they have a six and a half win total, Carolina, on pretty much every book. 
even money or better for the over. So let's play this game. Gun to head here, Kamish. You going over or under six and a half wins for the Carolina Panthers this season? I don't need to gun to my head to, to take the under on on the win total for them. I think everything that we've talked about in the first 15 or 20 minutes of this show has me looking at the under. I think Baker Mayfield definitely starts less than 17 games for the Panthers this year. I think any team that makes a quarterback change to a younger guy Mid-season is definitely a team that's going to be looking at a higher draft pick, not a higher number of wins. For me, it's the under, and I, I don't think it's it's all that contentious, in my opinion. TJ, you got you to lean? Under. They're going to be losing a lot of games to the Saints and Buccaneers this year. It's, uh, it's an under for me. Oh, poor Chief, man. All right, Chief. You being a homer, or are you going with the under? <laughs> uh, listen, I, I plan on... Taking the under here, um, it, it's just not a lot of games that I feel like we're actually going to win. I mean, I can about give you uh, where I think we'll end up now. First week one, we play the Browns. I don't think we beat the Browns. Not not at Deshaun Watson's playing. I know I know a lot's going there. Let's just go zero and one. We play the Giants. Let's go one and one. We play the Saints. Uh, let's go one and two. We play the Cardinals. Let's go one and three. We play the 49ers, one and four. Rams, one and five. Buccaneers, one and six. Falcons at Atlanta, one and seven. At the Bengals, one and eight. Falcons at home, two and eight. Falcons at the Ravens, two and nine. Broncos come to the Panthers. Don't think they're going to beat Russ this year. Two and 10. Panthers at the Seahawks. I'm going two and 11, only because the Seahawks are at home. Steelers come coming to the Panthers. Uh, two and 12 lions come to the Panthers. Guess what? I'm, I predict we'll lose to the lions two and 13 at the bucks at the saints. I think we win two games. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is realistic. I'm not, I, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. Like, I think this is realistic and I'm going to proudly display my Panthers paraphernalia every Sunday as if we're winning, but I don't think we're going to have a winning season. Um, unless some some major changes happen before then and i don't i just i don't see it you know christian mccaffrey's rushing touchdown total is eight and a half and he's only done it once in his career he's only played three full seasons in his career and if the panthers are atrocious towards the end of the season why don't they just shut him down kind of had the same thoughts about saquon barkley and it's a tough fantasy investment, too. And TJ saying smash the under for eight and a half touchdowns. You McCaffrey. know what? You're about to make me go Whoa, out and get a Christian McCaffrey future right now at a thousand yards and just take the under because he'll he'll possibly be hurt. And I hate that. Like I, I don't want Christian McCaffrey. Well, to be well, hurt. Even if he's not, you bring in you bring in Foreman to spell some of that load well, and, and be the red zone guy. What the Panthers have done? They don't care about a workload. We brought in freaking uh one of the best running backs from from the from college football. And Chuba Hubbard, and we just let him rot away on the bench until McCaffrey was hurt. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Don't don't get me started. Yeah, uh, I guess anything else, or should we move on to Atlanta and we'll talk about the Falcons? You got anything, Commissioner? Or should we talk about another team going through? A- I, I just think the last thing to add to that, the the prop that you just shared on McCaffrey, I think it's going to be interesting to see how much they use him out of the backfield as a pass catcher this year, because as bad as Baker Mayfield is down the field, he's he's pretty excellent behind the line of scrimmage and in that zero to nine yards range. So I, I could see a lot of dump offs to, to McCaffrey. I don't know if you have an over under on the receiving prop for the, for the touchdowns from McCaffrey, but I could see him getting some sneaky touchdowns out of the backfield. Again, I think that's dependent on 
how many games does Baker Mayfield start, but I'm with the other guys here. I think I would take the under on the rushing, especially factoring in Carolina's offensive line and the fact that you don't have an elite quarterback that's going to make the defense respect anything um, on the ground in those situations. So I would take the under on McCaffrey and the rushing, but I'd be curious if you have one on his receiving. I got it right here because you know what? We have scores and odds, baby. Scores and odds.com. 699 and a half receiving yards. The good old hook, 699 and a half. What number were you guys expecting before? I, what were you thinking? That sound about right? Eh. I mean, it's a good number. If, he, if, if he's healthy, because um, he's probably, I mean, if you think with a reasonable amount of targets, you got to think if they continue to keep him involved in the offense, he's going to garner on an average week five and a half to six targets. Let's go five and a half, roughly on average. And then on his new weeks, he's probably going to be around 10. Um, and most likely on his average weeks, he'll have 40 to 50 yards receiving. And on his new weeks, anywhere from 80 to 95-ish, 80 to 100. I'm, I'm, I know I'm giving like a weird range, but um, that's pretty much how I think it's it's going to go. And I, I probably should pull his game log to make sure I'm not over-exaggerating or under-exaggerating. But I think I'm close. Um, does anyone have that like handy? If not, it's, it's no big deal. I'm just I'm trying to get a get a good pulse on on six ninety nine because I wasn't even thinking about his, his receiving prop. Just in general, in a vacuum, if I have interest in making bets on Christian McCaffrey this year, it's definitely going to be unders on rushing. And if I want to be bullish on him, if I want to be cheering for it from an enjoyment standpoint. Uh, the overs I'm betting are going to be in in the receiving game and not uh, in the running game. He made Kareem Hunt look pretty damn good. Uh, I think you guys are, are on to something there. Um, just one more quick. I know we're spending a lot of time with the Panthers, but they had the most recent splash in the football world. I'm looking we're at the NFL. We're also NF- going to spend six minutes talking about Kyle Pitts and no other person on the Falcons. Pretty much. I, I was just looking up uh, the National Fantasy Championship ADP for the high stakes stuff. Um, in the last two weeks, DJ Moore's ADP did bump up about four spots, and not surprisingly, Robbie Anderson slid down just a little bit there. Nothing crazy, though. Um, but before we do move on to Atlanta, I don't know how much you guys are playing best ball, but best ball's really exploded into the DFS world and fantasy sports relevance over the last couple of years. I mean, we see we have major websites best ball now um and i'm so happy that eric by and company are really taking off with spike week spikeweek.com is absolutely fantastic it really is the premier source for best ball for any sport great premium membership options there get the best ball draft kit for pretty much every sport that we have you also get access to the spike week best ball tools with adp tools like i was just talking about draft iq to track your exposures across all your drafts That's just the tip of the iceberg. So get on over there and check out spikeweek.com. And you know what? If you're doing a bunch of best ball drafts and different tournaments and you just want to know what your exposures are, what drives you up, or you're trying to, uh, you know, figure out your stuff in Excel sheets, uh, I think you got to check out Spike Week if you're a fairly serious best ball advocate. And you know, when I'm bored, I'm, I'm doing best balls. When I have a few drinks and I'm bored, I'm doing best balls. If I'm on the toilet, I'm doing best balls. If I'm waiting for an appointment, I'm doing best balls. I'm pretty much just playing the $5 million for I have five minutes. That's uh, exactly it right there with best balls. Like, I don't think you can argue that, especially if you're a six, very successful sports better or you're a very successful 
DFS player. I think it's tough to kind of argue the ROI of best ball, right? Cause it's tying up your money for a long period of time, but it's fun. It's the enjoyment. It's something to cheer for through the entire season. And it's so much fun to do it. It's exactly like you said, you have 15 minutes, you got nothing to do. You whip open a best ball draft and it's so enjoyable. And no uh, maintenance I think, either. There's no maintenance. Exactly. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. It's like you got the chance to win something big and it's an enjoyable way to spend your time. For sure. And by the way, we do have Eric Bime for himself penciled in to come on next week uh, to talk about the NFC East with Adam Rosenberg from uh, Action Network. So that should be a, a great show as well. Uh, Chief, the Atlanta Falcons. The thing about taking the, the, the under for the Panthers win total is I wouldn't be shocked if either one of these teams swept one another. Um, and maybe that pushes you up a little higher in the pecking list here. Wow. Uh, where do you even begin with uh, the Falcons and, uh, of course, the Calvin Ridley thing? And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You bring in Desmond Ritter. You have Marcus Mariota. I don't know. It's a mess there, buddy. Well, here's my thing about, about the Falcons. And I was saying, yeah, at this point, I'd much rather be the Falcons than the Panthers. At least they have, in my opinion, what seems to be a defined course of action. We don't intend to win many games right now, right? Whereas I feel like in contrast, the Panthers are trying to find ways to win games. And they're creating just a a smorgasbord of of bad decisions. Panthers are working hard to go seven and nine. No, they're working hard to go two and ten. We, uh, <laughs> two, two and uh, 14, two and 15, whatever. That's what they're doing. Um, but with the, with the Falcons, they added Mariota. Clearly, you know, Matt Ryan was leaving. They've got, they went and got Desmond Ritter in the draft who um, do I feel like he's a pro quarterback today? No. Um, do I think he could have something like if you watched him play at Cincinnati, um, did of course, Cincinnati played in the AAC, wasn't a big conference, right? Wasn't the SEC, wasn't the Big Ten, wasn't the Pac-12, uh, wasn't the Big 12. But, you know, this team had a consistent program. They won. Uh, he got coached really well in college. Uh, added Damian Williams in free agency. Drake London in the draft, uh, which I thought was a good one. They got Brian Edwards from from um, from uh, Las Vegas. Picked up Anthony Ferkser. Like They've done some things. Uh, to try to make this thing interesting. But they're, they're also, if you notice, it doesn't seem like they're trying to say, hey, we're going to win a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan's gone now. It's a new era. Mike Davis was released. Calvin Ridley's on suspension because of his gambling affairs. Uh, Russell Gage is gone. Uh, Dante Fowler's gone. So, you know, it's, I don't think they're trying to win many games, but I do think they have a, de- a de- defined path for their future. Uh, bringing in Matt Marcus Mariota, I think is more of a stopgap. Um, possibly someone that uh, Desmond Ritter could learn from in a way, if that makes any sense, similar style of play, not identical, but similar enough to where, you know, you bring Mariota in to kind of keep the bus moving along, win or lose. And then at some point, I think they unleashed uh, Desmond Ritter uh, in the middle of the season or the beginning of the season so that he can try to lead this team. And for me personally, I'm all about if you bring in a rookie, let him go ahead and take the lumps unless he's just absolutely not ready. Like if he's having playbook playbook problems, something to that effect, 
not doing well in film. Okay, I get it. Like, give him his chance to catch up. But I'm all about letting these rookies go ahead and get in, make plenty of mistakes early because, you know, why hold them back? Let them get it all week, week weeks one through five, and then let's see if we can see steady improvement uh, the rest of the time. And before you know it, you may have caught a diamond in the rough. So that's how I feel about Atlanta. I think they have a defined plan despite how it looks on paper and they're, they're fully rebuilding the organization. Julio's gone. Matt Ryan is gone. That era is over. The, the, that era is over. And I think they they understand that and they're trying to go in a different direction. TJ, I'll throw this over to you. I, I hope we get all the Kyle Pitts targets this year. You know, he's getting drafted pretty highly across the industry. I know it's early, but at the same time, I kind of hope they keep Cordell Patterson in the same role because I loved watching him play. He, he really turned into a dual threat. I know he can't hang and, and carry the ball 25 times a game, and they brought in Damian Williams. And they drafted Algier. I, I get it, but he was fun to watch. I mean, there isn't a ton of things to look forward here, and I think whoever they have under center is just going to be running for their damn lives, and we know how injury-prone Marcus Mariota is. I mean, hell, I'm a Titans fan. I've seen it. I love the guy. I never wanted anyone more to succeed, but he's going to get hurt at some point. It's just like the McCaffrey-esque situation here in Atlanta. Um, I know you talked a little bit about Kyle Pitts here, so I, is he all you're looking forward to here with the Falcons? Does he terrify you twice a year? <laughs> you know, this is a team I think we can save some time on. And from a betting perspective, give me all the unders, five projected win total, give me the under. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I think Patterson could be a boom bust guy. Maybe we'll be able to use on occasion. I don't think he'll have as good of a year as last year. Marcus Mariota could be a min price DraftKings uh, quarterback that maybe when we don't feel like we have to stack, uh, we just want to get a guy who can get a rushing touchdown or two. But Kyle Pitts is really the only guy we need to spend a lot of time talking about this year. He seemed early on like he was a bit of a kind of a disappointment fantasy wise, but he had the second best receiving season ever for a rookie tight end last year. He finished seventh in tight end scoring. Um, I can only assume it'll go up like whether it's a rookie quarterback in or Mariota running for his life, what's going to be a better outlet than the tight ends or Cordero Patterson. So um, I think uh, he could be, Patterson could be a maybe boom bust daily fantasy guy. And uh, Pitts, I think is going to be a top five fantasy tight end this year. Yeah. Kamesh, uh, I know you said you have some quarterback data, but what do you make of Mariota or Ritter? Like, if you had a guess, do you think at some point, if it's going so poorly for Atlanta, they just throw Ritter in there in the second half of the season? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a big fan of what she said, too, about letting these quarterbacks get in and and learn at the NFL level. And I think an underrated aspect of quarterback development is also coach development. I think Josh Allen is a great example of this. His first two years in the seat in the league, he looked like a guy who wasn't going to play beyond his rookie deal. But last couple of years has made major improvements. And not all of that has been skill development from Josh Allen, in my opinion. I think that they've been putting him a lot more in, in positions where he can succeed. They've been throwing the ball down the field a lot less. I know Josh Allen's got a big arm, but if you look at all the under, underlying advanced data on him, he really makes his killing uh, on shorter throws. And uh, not to say that he can't throw the, the deep ball. He's, he's around league average throwing the ball 20 plus yards down the field, but uh, building a roster around Josh Allen, finding a coach that can put him in positions to succeed. I think that that's a really underrated aspect of quarterback development. It might be one of those reasons that Baker Mayfield didn't turn into an NFL star, right? Having uh, a revolving door of coaches in Cleveland the last few years, we've seen that in a number of other places. 
So I'm a big fan of let, let the young kid come in and learn. Marcus Mariota is, is definitely not the answer, right? Marcus Mariota, even in his prime when he was in Tennessee, was little more than a mediocre average quarterback that, that wasn't going to lose you football games and definitely at his worst. He's a liability under center. Uh, the, the Falcons don't have a ton of elite weapons around him on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. Kyle Pitts, I think, is fantastic, right? But I, lo- the long-term connection is not going to be Marcus Mariota to Kyle Pitts, right? So it, it's one of those things, too, of you, you want your tight end to grow and develop, but you want him to grow and develop with the guy who's going to be throwing him the football for hopefully the next decade or longer. So I'm a big fan of getting Ritter in there. I think everything we – I'm not a big college football guy, admittedly, but I, of course when these guys get drafted, I do have to do my homework on them. And everything I've read on Ritter, people rave about his work ethic. He has some mechanical adjustments he's probably going to need to make to succeed long-term at the highest level of football. But uh, everything about his c- career trajectory in college, going from a player that looked undraftable for a while to a guy that, of course, is with the Atlanta Falcons now, that, that screams to me, let the guy get in there and learn. He, he definitely seems capable of it. I think the more reps that he can get in game conditions with guys that he's going to be playing with for years to come, I think that's only going to help the Falcons long-term. But I, I also agree with everything we've said so far about that the Falcons are not one of those teams that are trying to steal a wild card this year. They are a team that is going to continue to look to add talent through the draft. And the only way to do that is to get higher picks. So I'm, I'm not too bullish on, on anything Atlanta Falcons related this year on the betting market. I definitely hear what you guys are saying in terms of rookie quarterbacks in a vacuum, but I think it's case by case dependent too. Like you got to look at it in the sense of what your team, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Like I don't want to put in a rookie quarterback if my team's not going to be very good and I want to invest in him for the future. And my biggest weakness is my offensive line. If he's just going to be in there getting pummeled all the time, you look at Andrew Luck for an example of he was really good, but his first three years of his career, they had no offensive line and he just took shot after shot and kind of made him not want to play football much anymore. Um, Robert uh, RG three is another good example of a guy who was an amazing talent. These were guys who were ready to play off the bat but their offensive lines weren't quite uh, ready for them. And uh, they ended up taking a lot of shots. Obviously RG threes was different because his was on like a 50 yard run when he got hurt. But uh, this, uh, I think it's a case by case basis. There are certain opportunities. I don't know what's going on with the Falcons specifically in that locker room, but uh, I'm, I always like to see the, uh, the rookie QB out there. And especially if it's a guy that can, rub the rub the dirt off his jersey after he gets knocked down or throws an interception and go whatever that was research that was reps let's get better as opposed to oh damn I suck maybe I can't make it in the NFL then yeah throw him out there but it's it's a it's an important thing to keep in mind too that when these guys are 22 23 years old a lot of them don't have that emotional EQ yet ready to kind of go out there and take a bunch of L's and get ready to get back up yet chief any closing thoughts on Atlanta Nah, man, I think it'll be a fun team to watch. I am going to try to get up to the uh, stadium this this season because I'm not that far away. Um, just at, from a fan perspective, uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever told anybody this on, on the air, but that's kind of one of my bucket list things, like to try to visit as many stadiums as I can. Um, and so because Atlanta's close, I haven't actually been to uh, Mercedes-Benz. So I, I do want to get up there this season. Nice. We've got to get you to a Saskatchewan Rough Rider game. Hey, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> Only if they got a showdown slate for it. <laughs> I don't know if they still do. DraftKings used to have some CFL stuff, and that's 
Yeah. The CFL has to get their stuff together and get more in on the betting games and, and DFS specifically because yeah. it is so by far the second best football league that exists. Like it's not comparable to the NFL in many ways, but the subtle differences of the wider field and the three downs and the bigger end zones, it's enjoyable football. The talent isn't the same, but it's enjoyable football. And if they could just get more people betting on it, it would be so much more successful. Yeah. Are you a big fan? I was growing up. Like my dad and I had season tickets uh, my whole life as a kid. We go to all the games Um, as an adult. I not really, I'd kind of rather, um, because you can't gamble on it. Just go ahead and say Exactly. Like, but uh, even just like I'm, I'm two and a half hours away from the stadium. <laughs> right. So like, I'd rather go to one or two games a year than watch the rest on my TV as opposed to make the trek out for all nine home games. But um, I'm not as big of a fan as I was as a kid, but if I could bet on, on my riders, then I might uh, get me a little more excited. I guess the only two thoughts I have on Atlanta and then we're, we're slamming the door on them is they have two really good corners in Casey Hayward and AJ Terrell and both and Terrell's really young. Both contracts are pretty friendly. And I just like have to wonder if they try to get a haul at the deadline. Cause as good as they both are, like you're not going to build around your corners. If you don't have the other like centerpieces mapped out, why not try to get a haul, you know, in like November, I wouldn't be shocked. We saw some really good talented defenders get moved last season. Wouldn't be shocked if we see one of these Atlanta bookend corners get moved. And it would be the, this is unrelated, but just looking at a betting perspective here, it would be the ultimate stinking tale of regression. But a part of me wants to throw like a 10th of a unit on Kyle Pitts to lead the league in touchdowns <laughs> at 50 to one. And he had a whopping one touchdown last season, but they're going to be trailing and they're going to be throwing the ball and trying out their court. And like, they're, you know, quarterbacks love these tight ends, you know, if you can even consider him a tight end, but Julio's gone. Calvin Ridley's not playing football. Eh, you know, that might be like, I have a couple beers and I, I throw a couple bucks in one of my accounts on Kyle Pitts. Anyway, I'll be closing the door on there. Chief, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it over to you. And um, I want to talk about TJ's New Orleans Saints. So what are your thoughts with what they're doing over there? Listen, I, I actually hope uh, uh, the Saints do well. And I know that sounds really weird, but I am, a, I am somewhat of a Jameis Winston truther, if you will, um, just, just in general in terms of his talent, um, his arm talent. I know, you know, Jameis Winston has gotten uh, – uh, I guess a bad rap for, for interceptions and, you know, making bad decisions. Listen, when you're an aggressive quarterback, interceptions are going to be there. Definitely, definitely needs to take care of the football, but I I'm rooting for him. I uh, had, had a really rough injury last year. Should be coming back uh, ready to go. And so if here, here what I'm saying, if Jameis Winston is right, because you got to think now when, when Jameis Winston was drafted, he was considered the best football the best quarterback in the draft pretty much right when, when he comes in so uh if if everything can can come together for him with this team uh it should be good he's gonna have the weapons like he's not gonna be uh void of weapons if you will um so i i like him a lot uh I, I'm, I'm pulling for him i want him to do well and um Everything should be good. I mean, so Dennis Allen gets promotion. They went out and got Jarvis Landry, got, got the Honey Badger. Chris Olave coming out of the draft. This is huge for him 
uh, because this wide receiver room is going to be incredible. With him and Michael Taylor, that, that's the one thing about, and I think we're seeing that a little bit more now than perhaps we had in the past. Wide receivers seem to be coming into the NFL a lot more prepared for an NFL workload. Um, and I'm saying some of the top wide receivers. Chris Olave was a top wide receiver from this year's draft. Um, you know, when you look at the likes of, uh, God, what's the guy that went to uh, Cincinnati? Jeez. Um, his name is eluding me right now, but. Uh, Jamar Chase, is that your thing? Yeah, yeah. Charles Chase, thank you. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Uh, Chase comes in ready to go. Guys like A.J. Brown are coming in ready to go. Um, it's, there's a laundry list of guys that, that are walking in saying, hey, let me step up. Justin Jefferson comes into Minnesota and just takes over. Uh, I don't think Chris Olave is going to take over, per se, but I think when you've got to deal with him and, uh, and the rest of the wide receiver room, I mean, Michael Thomas, I get it, like, but th- this team – should be ready to roll on all cylinders. Um, I, I like the New Orleans Saints. I, I think they're a good team. And I, I'm actually really anxious to see uh, what what James Winston, Jameis Winston can do here with the new regime and, and the weapons and, and the surgery and everything. I'm, I'm really excited about this team from a football perspective. TJ, he was really nice about your saying. So I, I'm dying to hear what your thoughts are uh, with your boys here. Yeah, so there should be a lot of fantasy points to go around. It'll just be difficult kind of knowing who they're going to go to. But if Jameis Winston is at the top of his game, this should be a Super Bowl contender. If he's not, this should be a team fighting for a wild card spot. Um, They got a phenomenal defense, a ton of offensive weapons, a good offensive line. And um, I'm curious if the commish has some data on uh, Jameis Winston's eyesight, you know, um but uh if not that's okay and the the biggest question mark for this team is the potential suspension Alvin Kamara could be receiving uh he got uh, into a legal incident uh after the pro bowl he's expected to have a potential suspension ar- around six games of course he'll probably appeal it and see where we go from there but they brought Mark Ingram back they brought Jarvis Landry and they got Chris Olave this should be a very strong offense as long as uh, Winston does well. And I, I personally am a Winston truth, Winston truther as well. Um, I think if you have to rely on him to go and swing 40 times a game, it may not go very well, but he's got a lot of art and talents and he's been working very hard to learn and get better over the last few years, especially when breeze was still in the building and he was kind of learning how to game plan from him and, I, I think he's uh, I think he's going to do well as long as he can stay healthy. And I think uh, I'm excited about this team from a fantasy perspective, especially if we see uh, Alvin Kamara out early in the year, we could see a ton of uh, fantasy goodness from Michael Thomas, Chris Olave and uh, Jarvis Landry. Yeah. The Kamara thing is just like the biggest elephant in the room. Uh, you know, the Sean Watson, you know, situation has been taken up so much of the, ESPN talking head time that, you know, the Kamara thing is still a big question mark. And for, for, you know, of course is a serious like issue that needs to be rectified and something needs to happen. Um, but in terms of fantasy sports, I mean, when you have things like best ball and the futures market opens in May, when you have the status of premier players like that, and you don't know if they're going to be playing football in September, it kind of puts a wrinkle into things as well. 
Um, yeah, Kamish, like, what are your thoughts on Winston? And he has some weapons now, and and we're hoping and we're thinking, you know, Michael Thomas and Olave. And I mean, there you go. That's a formidable like one-two punch out there for Winston. Olave, you'll remember his name when he's scoring lots of touchdowns this year, boys. Olave. Olave, Olave. It's Olave. It's Chris, it's Chris Olave. Listen, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I know all these guys. Ohio State University is wide receiver university at that's, this point. That's what he said, Chief. It was just his Canadian accent. No, I know what I heard. I know, man. All right, Kamish. What do you got? Well, well I, I think since we're just focusing on Olave, Olave so much the last 10 seconds, I, we'll, we'll start with him. I, I think it's a great addition for the Saints. I think a guy like Winston to, to add such a, a sure-handed receiver, good route runner by – all accounts. Uh, I'm not, I'm not an Ohio state fan, but I, I, all my friends and family are Ohio state fans. So I definitely uh, pick up a lot of Ohio state information secondhand. Is it Olay? <laughs> Chris Olay. Oh, we finally got a soundboard. Thank yeah, God. We're, we're going we're to listen to a computer. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. We'll go with Olave. 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 I think it's a good pickup. I I'm with you guys. Jameis Winston to me is a very good quarterback. I think he's been a, an above average quarterback with, far below average eyesight for the majority of his career. So I think if he gets his eyesight fixed, this is a guy that really has untapped potential. Like like was already talked about. He's pretty much unquestioned. The top quarterback in his draft class came out and could throw the ball over the field. It's just, you, you have to wonder a lot of those interceptions, you know, how, how far could he actually see down the field? But uh, he, he's a guy. Before we get too far away from it, not to cut you off, Chief is right, and I just don't want to forget about that before I get away from it. And I'm just messing around. It's Olave. I just don't want to forget about it and then have everybody <laughs> think I'm an idiot afterwards. So continue, Kamesh. Oh, listen, this comes out. You were going to get DMs about this. Too. Oh, I know. And I was just like, <laughs> this went too long for me to like. I'm gonna. I, I got ADHD, man. I'm gonna forget it, that I said it, and then just like feel like an idiot. I got to get this in before it's too long. Oh gosh! <laughs> right, so now, that, now that it's Olave, Kamish. Yeah. Right, so you're hot. You're high on Winston. I am. I I think Winston is a a, a pretty solid quarterback. Truthfully, I, I I don't know if he's gonna be a top tier quarterback, but I, I think with the defense that the New Orleans the New Orleans Saints have. I think Jameis Winston could could do enough offensively to make them a very competent team. I, I don't know if they're if they're going to be good enough to to push for an NFC Championship slot or a Super Bowl, but w- w- with that defense, I don't think you can ever count them out. I think we've seen the Saints do more with with less be under center. So Jameis Winston, if you got if he has his eyesight fixed, he has a couple new weapons, and I, and I think weapons that will fit his playing style really well. Uh, I, I like him to have a bounce back year. I th- this is going to be a hot take, and I'm just prepared to have some pushback on this and, and to open some discussion on this. I don't think Alvin Kamara being out of the lineup is that big of a deal for the new Orleans saints. I, I will just say it. I, I think he's one of the most overrated players in the NFL. I think we've seen time and time again, where we've had elite running backs in the backfield and they're getting to the end of their career or they have a situation where it's like, Oh my God, Adrian Peterson's going to be out or Marshawn Lynch isn't going to be with the Seahawks anymore. Running backs are replaceable. It, they're, they're not going to have the name recognition that Alvin Kamara's had, but I know Kamara's been running behind. How old behind. do you think Alvin Kamara is? You realize AP and Marshawn Lynch were like no, 34. Yeah, no, I just off, meant right? like, like situations. 26. No, no, I, I didn't mean it from an age perspective. I meant in situations where we've had running backs, like when Adrian, Adrian Peterson was, uh, I, I believe he was suspended for an entire year with the the domestic violence or child violence, whatever it was. Adrian Peterson was suspended for a year and everybody was like, oh my God, the Vikings aren't going to be able to run the football. And 
that really wasn't the case. And I, th- I think we, we've seen that with, with the Seahawks and with other teams where their top running backs have gone down. Even the Browns last year, losing guys like Chubb and Hunt who were, who were out, the Browns w- would bring guys out the practice squad that could run the football. I don't think the Saints are going to be able to do that because their offensive line is, is not very good. But Alvin Kamara hasn't exactly been, been moving the win total, in my opinion, uh, in, in the running game. I don't think he's as effective uh, as a, a pass catcher as people think. I, he, he catches the ball. He, he's elusive in the open field. But I, I don't think losing Alvin Kamara is going to take the New Orleans Saints from their, their highest potential to, oh, my God, they didn't have Kamara, so that's why they, they didn't succeed this season. So I'm prepared to, to have some pushback on this. Uh, I, I can see TJ, TJ typing right now. I'm sure he's looking up some stuff. But uh, I, I don't think the Saints are poorly positioned at all, whether they have him in the backfield or not. I think they're going to ride or die with how successful Jameis Winston is in the pocket this season. Man, he'd be really good with Baker Mayfield, though. I'm just kidding. I was, but... just, I was, I was, uh, I was pulling up uh, a stat just to make sure I uh, was not incorrect when I said it. But in terms of the offensive offensive line, I definitely think we're going to see the team be back to kind of what we what we've seen in the past from the offensive line. Um, 2021 was a huge decrease in offensive line performance for the Saints but they also had more missed games from offensive line starters than any other team in the NFL last season. Um, And that's what I was looking up to make sure I wasn't wrong. Um, And so uh, I think they uh, drafted one in the first round. I think they lost a couple old guys to uh, free agency, but I think they're going to be ready to uh, pick up their offensive line game. And from a game win total perspective, I actually don't think there's a bad thing at all about, a running, uh, an explosive running back missing the first six games of the season for non-injury related reasons. Um, get a, an ability to uh, have a guy fresh and and being willing to get those handles as as other guys slow down and are banged up at the end of the year. I don't think uh, I don't think that's a bad thing at all from a running back perspective. So, I definitely think it's a an important loss from a fantasy perspective, um, and in the passing game. However, in the running game, I don't think we're going to see a huge, huge decrease for the Saints um, in that perspective, like in that perspective, it'll be like, you'll see a lot less explosive plays in the offense, a lot less plays downfield, but I don't think the win loss uh, at the end of the season is going to reflect that much due to a suspension. Hey chief, two things. One is you could get uh, the Saints at at a win total of eight but you're paying some juice to go over um, or eight and a half at even money. I, that eight number just seems so obtainable for a team. That's, that's pretty damn talented on paper. and The defense is still pretty good. And, you know, you're thinking they should at least take care of business against Carolina or Atlanta and like sweep one of them at least and win three out of those four, that eight number, uh, you know, now we're talking through this thing. They quietly signed Jarvis Landry to chief. I mean, this could, could be, one of the most slept on offenses in the league with or without Kamara, like, you know, to, to like kind of agree with both the commission and TJ a little bit here, like it, it could be done without Kamara with this talent. If Winston is just not bet terrible. Um, but the ceiling is, is pretty high either way. I think, what do you think? Chief? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Jarvis Landry, Landry is a really good pickup for them. Um, and I'm, I am going to say this, especially if Kamara is out the first couple weeks, uh, because Jarvis Landry, in my opinion, could absolutely just be Alvin Kamara in this offense um, in terms of his ability to catch passes around the line of scrimmage. Um, and I mean, look, we saw them bring out of the backfield in Cleveland some, 
you know, and some gadget trickery plays, and, and maybe the, uh, you know, Coach Damian would, would would do that. But I, I, I think Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas. I mean, he's got three, you know, receivers that he can get the ball to pretty much any time. Jarvis Landry is still a great route runner in his own right. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm very excited to see what what he can do in this offense. Uh, and then in terms of win totals, you guys will hear me do it. I mean, I, I literally, I look at the numbers, I look at the odds, I look at the rosters, but I still try to go through myself and just visualize the schedule. And, and I'm always visualizing with, you know, the idea that the main pieces stay healthy the whole year. I know that's not completely possible, but, you know, they've got the Falcons week one. I, I think that's a win. They've got the Buccaneers week two, but at home, I think that's a win. I think they're 2-0 there. Saints going to the Panthers, that's absolutely a win. Uh, that's 3-0. Vikings come to the Saints, I think that's 4-0. Seattle comes to the I think that's 5-0. Bengals go to the Saints. Uh, that would be a lot the, of fun. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the toss-up for me right now, depending on how the Bengals come out the rest of the season. I'm going to give them 6-0 at home. Um well, here's the thing, too. Quick is it's like I get I understand new coach, new quarterbacks, right? But if the number's eight, and if we want to go eight and a half, if we don't want to have the it's juice over. there, there's there's one more game in the NFL season than there used to be, right? Like it's not like they have to get better than it's not like we need them to go nine and seven. Like, like they just think, have to go nine and eight, like they did last year, right? When do you think the last time? Team. When do you think the last time the New Orleans Saints won less than seven games in a season? I don't know. Is it hanging on a poster in your room somewhere? I don't know. 2005 was the last time they won less than seven. In the last 12 years, they've only had three seasons that that have been less than eight. Like, that's just too low. This may be the best team they've had in the past six seasons. Probably the best defense they've had in my life. Um, you know, th- and, and only because Drew Brees, you know, listen, I'm all about honoring the quarterbacks like when Kobe, and I know Kobe's not a quarterback, but get, roll with my parallel here. The Lakers weren't going to trade Kobe Bryant, right? They were going to let him ride off into the sunset. And I think that was the right way to honor somebody that pretty much dedicated their career to your organization. They did, you know, I feel like the Saints did the same thing with Drew Brees. They weren't going to force him out, but they were going to let him ride his career out with their organization until he was ready to retire. And they probably had a conversation. He's like, look, when it's my time, I'm leaving. I'm not going to just try to hold on. And I think he, I think they did that. And I feel like it was honorable. He still had okay seasons. And so now, you know, with the bevy of talent they have, I'm with you. Like commission Winston's healthy. Winston's healthy. That's going to be an improvement over late career breeze. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I, I think that's an easy one. Maybe, maybe, and, and Kamish, I want to throw this over to you. And I know this sounds funny because he carries a bad stigma, but even if something happens to Winston or he sucks kind of later in the year and they're teetering around that win total, they probably have one of the best two backup quarterbacks in the NFL and Andy Dalton who can come in and probably not totally lose you a game. I, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on this win total, Kamish? And, man, Chief has me ready to lock this in right now. Oh, with, with, with Kamish, the I'm with, with you. I, I think that's a lot. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to send some, of you to some petty that cash Andy to one Dalton's of my friends. Had a taste on. <laughs> yeah. I 
I he was reading out the schedule. I, I haven't gotten to that part in my preseason research process yet, going game by game with the schedule. But like you mentioned, you, in the early part of the season, you had the Falcons, the Panthers, the the Vikings, the Seahawks, all in the first five weeks of the season. Most books will let you bet NFL win totals throughout the season as well on a week by week basis. So this for me is even if you get cold feet after week five, this is a team that absolutely has the potential. They should be three and two after five weeks. I don't care if they don't even have a quarterback, right? If they're, I don't care who's under center, that Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, whoever, they should be three and two after five weeks. Could they beat Tampa Bay week two? I think absolutely. They beat Tampa Bay nine, nothing last year, right? They don't need an offense. Oh. To, to beat Tampa Bay, Tom, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I the, the one match four and zero. They they're four and zero in the last two seasons with Tom Brady at quarterback against the Bucks in the regular season. Yeah, and, and and the reason that is, and the reason as a Tom Brady fan, I get so nervous those weeks when they're playing the Saints is because the Saints are one of the few teams in the league that can put pressure on Tom Brady. And if you look, Tom Brady excels in almost every metric, uh, every meaningful metric that you could look at relating to quarterbacks, even at his advanced age. I Truly, he's, he's top three in almost every metric you can look at. The one thing that he struggles with consistently is against pressure. Now, a few teams are able to get pressure on him because Tom Brady is so good at reading blitzes pre-snap that he's able to avoid getting pressure on himself. He gets the ball out faster than almost any quarterback in the NFL in those situations. But the New Orleans Saints consistently find ways to get into the backfield to make life difficult on Tom Brady. So for me, that week two game, especially at home, Tampa Bay, they're going to be integrating some new offensive weapons. They, they drafted a new uh, I, I believe a left guard that they're going to be working into, into the fray as well. That's a winnable game for the saints, in my opinion. They, so then if, if they win that game, like you said, they got the Falcons, the, the bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings, the Seahawks, those first five weeks. And then they got Cincinnati at home. Like those are six winnable games. If they win four of those first six games, they're already halfway to eight wins. If you took the juice, if you, if you go eight and a half, I think, the, the live win total at that point, I think definitely moves to at least nine and a half or 10 and a half. If you want to hedge and try to land in the middle there, I think that's realistic. But like we talked about too, TJ mentioned, if, if Jameis Winston is healthy, could this team contend for a Super Bowl? And for me, if a team has that high of an upside preseason, I'm definitely willing to invest in an over on the futures market, because if the variance is, is leaning high, like you mentioned, TJ, they're probably not going to win five games, right? So if you're going to lose on this win total, you're probably going to get hooked at, let's say, six, seven wins, more than likely seven wins. If you go eight and a half, maybe you get hooked on eight exactly if they have a ton of injuries. But I'm with Chief here. When, when I cap games during the regular season or, or preseason, I just assume that everybody's going to be healthy, right? Because I don't think you can I don't think you can sit here and say, oh, I think Jarvis Landry is going to miss week four and that's going to hurt them against a zone defense or Jameis Winston's going to miss week eight and that's going to suck because they're, they're playing the Raiders and the Raiders are going to, do, do this defensively to stop them. I don't think you can do that. I think you, you just have to assume people are healthy. If people aren't healthy, then you eat your money if, if it comes to that. But assuming this team is healthy, I, I don't know how they're going to fall under eight and a half wins, especially we mentioned the early part of their schedule. You look at the end of their schedule, if they're contending for a playoff spot and teams like the Falcons and the, the Panthers are not, they have the Falcons week 15 and the Panthers week 18. Those are two teams that could be in tank mode by that point in the season. So if they get four in the first six weeks, and they have two hopefully gimmies. Both of those games are at home week 15 and week 18. That should be six right there. Their defense allowed the fourth fewest yards per play of, of any team in football last year. They should be competitive week to week, regardless what their offense it does. I think Jarvis Landry, he, as someone who's watched him week in and week out in Cleveland, he's one of my favorite football players. He's definitely dealt with some serious injuries. He's lost a step. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't look to be quite the same player that he once was. 
but is he, is he going to be a valuable contributor? I think absolutely. Jameis Winston's going to make some of these guys better. If, if Olave comes in and, and can make a splash, I don't know if he's going to make a Jamar chase kind of splash, but there, there's plenty of upside with the new Orleans saints. And I'm always willing to invest in defense. I don't know if anybody has any stats or databases in front of them, but I don't know the last time a team that finished top five in, in defense yards per play yards per game has ever finished below 500 in a season. It's, you give yourself you give yourself a shot to win, whether it's a pick six, a, a forced fumble, you just control field position, you kick field goals. Like we mentioned, that nine nothing win against the Bucks. I mean, there's just lots of ways to win football games when you play defense, and I think the Saints are going to do that extremely well. And TJ, like you mentioned, they they, they brought in uh, what's his name, Penning at left tackle. So I think I think they're going to improve with, with the pass block, and they're going to give Winston a decent amount of time to throw. They might be able to throw the ball downfield a little bit. If they can do anything in the run game, I think that's only going to make this team more dangerous. I don't hate the idea of sprinkling a little bit on them at the, to, to win the NFC South. Quite honestly, I, I don't think that's a likely bet to cash. But if you're looking at four plus four fifty on Fanduel, could be worth a sprinkle. And then maybe you get the Bucks at minus one fifty instead of minus three twenty at the midpoint of the season. So I think there's a lot of favorable ways that the betters can invest in the Saints this year. I always like to think of the futures market as sort of like the stock market. You can buy and sell stock throughout the season on a week to week basis or a month to month basis. And I think preseason, the Saints have incredibly undervalued stock, and then you can make your own decisions as we get into October, November, if you want to hedge out of some of that or, or sell it and, and buy elsewhere. I and we're going to be able to rip through TB, Tampa Bay because they have the least amount of changes, and a lot of what we just talked about would be relevant there too, including I think the biggest thing to keep into consideration for these win totals for the Saints and Tampa Bay, who we're about to talk about, is these late-season games against Atlanta and Panthers, those used to be – fighting for playoff position games. And now these are going to be two teams that are going to be near the bottom of the league. This is a division that in the past has been one of the strongest divisions in the league. And now two of the teams are near the league's bottom half. So that'll bode very well for the Bucks and Saints' win totals. I agree. And I'll, I'll, I have two quick thoughts and I'll, I'll throw it over to Chief and then we'll talk Tampa Bay. And uh, we're going a little over here, but I don't care because this is the first pod and it's a blast. And I, I think it's been great. Um, but first of all, it's, it sounds almost impossible to say that this Saints team that has lost not only Drew Brees and Sean Payton uh, won't have a different culture, but I really do think most of that same culture attitude and principles are still well alive in that locker room because Marshawn Lattimore hasn't gone anywhere. Demario Davis hasn't gone anywhere. Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport haven't gone anywhere. Hell, Michael Thomas is still somehow on the damn team. How at this point? I don't know. But most importantly, the big pieces are still there. And we added the honey badger, baby. And you added the guy who just is a mean, just one of the best stories. Like third round draft pick was just a, a travesty. He like lasted that far. Always plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's the perfect guy for this team defensively. And um, I, just my other thought is out of all the futures you could bet on right now, I think the most interesting thing to me, Chief, and this is probably, you could probably make three more pods with this discussion is the comeback player of the year award. There Michael are just, Thomas. It, it's just loaded. You, you, you think Michael Thomas, but then you think about his own team. You think about Jameis Winston. If it's not Derrick Henry, maybe McCaffrey's healthy at plus 900. Uh, you know, the Baker Mayfield's 14 to one. Marcus Mariota, God forbid, doesn't get her. J.K. Dobbins, Chase Young, Cam Akers is 35 to one on FanDuel. Allen Robinson, Juju Smith Schuster, Travis Etienne at, at, 
at plus 4,200. This is like the comeback player of the year, and the Saints are featuring two guys in Winston and um, – and Michael Thomas, who who like have to correlate well together, by the way, and usually the benefit of that probably goes to the quarterback in, in the NFL. Speaking of best ball, Michael Thomas in the fifth round and maybe a little later and James Winston in round 15, 16. That's like one of your best late round stacks you could possibly get. Chief, me and you are going to be talking a lot about stacking these uh, early season Saints games when they take on Seattle and, and Minnesota. It's going to be a fantasy feast fest then. But anyway, closing thoughts after you heard us ramble over here. I just want to say closing thoughts. Um, I mean, man, it's going to be such a pleasure uh, having commission around from time to time, I hope. Plus 450 for them to win an NFC South. That's Those are, I mean... Commission, really, that's almost free in my opinion. That, that that's 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 almost free. That's like, hey, uh, sign me up, take my money. Um, you know, uh, deposit two fifty, we'll give you a thousand. That's how I'm feeling right now about plus four fifty for the Saints to win the NFC South. I, I'd absolutely take that completely. Like that's that's insane, really. I mean, they should probably come in closer to. If the Bucks are where are the Bucks right now, Commissioner? Are they like minus one fifty? No, they're about minus three hundred. Depending on the book, you can get them minus three hundred, minus two ninety is the best price on FanDuel. Minus three twenty five is the ju- the juiciest at points bet. Okay, I would I would absolutely take the Saints right now at plus four fifty. That that's incredible. Those are my closing thoughts. Like. That's and you know, amazing, really. And you know what that is? That's the value of name recognition in Tom Brady and and just the betters, just, you know, common better XYZ. Oh, wow, division winner, like the Bucks and Tom Brady, obvious choice. But I don't know. I mean, listen, just segueing into Tampa Bay, who's to say it's going to be all good times in, in Tampa? I, you know, I, I really was surprised that Gronk retired. I, I was surprised. Kamish, were you surprised that Gronk hung it up at this point? Yeah, I was at the gym when I saw it, and I, I thought I was uh, getting ball sack sports for a minute when I saw Gronk <laughs> retired because he just seemed it seemed inevitable that Gronk was going to come back this year and play with Tom Brady. All, all accounts, it, it looks like it's going to be Tom Brady's last year. I thought Gronk would come back for one more, especially with the talent that they still have on this team. But, I yeah, I'm – I'm shocked. I'm, I'm well, it, is only, it is only July. I guess he could be like, yeah, I'm back. Cause that's what he does. I feel like that's just a Gronk thing. Right now, all of a sudden his ADP is plummeting and best balls and everything. And he's <laughs> almost free everywhere. And you know, there's people like me being a degenerate still scooping him in like the 15th round, probably. Um, I don't know. What do you think chief? No, nah, I, I think he's done, man. I, I think he wants to go out and have his fun and hop on WWE, do subway commercials, uh, play video games, still work out and party and, and not take it so seriously. So I, I don't think Gronk is coming back. I think Tom's going to have to do this uh, on his lonesome with, with the, you know, quiver of arrows that he has currently. I, I don't, I don't think Gronk's coming out of retirement to save it. Well, Chris Godwin, obviously we know the terrible injury he suffered. I, you know, I don't know what his status is going to be. Of course you have Mike Evans, Russell Gage, a good veteran, like, like a necessity almost at that point without Gronk and, you know, Godwin's quest, you know, uh, status in question, getting a guy like Russell Gage is 
freaking huge for that team. I mean, we've seen what Brashard Perryman can do in flashes, a guy who's battled injuries himself. You know, Tyler Johnson, I still think he has some upside. Um, you know, here I am looking at social media reports, and I don't think I got ball sack sports, but is Leonard Fournette really fat? And, like, how like is it an issue? Did you guys see those reports? Is he going to have to shed some pounds? Because Leonard Fournette just flourished with the Tom Brady system. He learned how to catch the ball. Didn't even need to use Giovanni Bernard and all these other guys. Fournette was a fantasy monster and a, a prop moneymaker last year before the books and everything caught up. So I know you've been following Tampa Bay pretty closely, Kamish. Is Fournette, Fournette going to be okay? I don't put much stock into these early training camp reports. I think even if Fournette's 25 pounds overweight, he could he could figure it out by opening week in Dallas. You got Tom Brady on the roster. Tom Brady's not a guy who's going to let you show up week one, be 25 pounds overweight. <laughs> Leonard Fournette's a veteran. If, if he wants to eat a little bit more in the offseason and and play his way into shape in the preseason, I, I personally don't have an issue with it. I don't think it's tremendously concerning. And again, running he's, a, he's matter, a running right? back. So if, if, if you have to move on from, from Fournette or you, you can only use him in the goal line situations because he is so big and he's not so elusive in the open field. That's, that's not a deal breaker for me by any stretch of the imagination. Chief thoughts on this current Tampa Bay roster and what are your expectations for this team? I expect them to finish second in the NFC South. Um, that that's, that's legitimately what I expect. Uh, I don't think um, Atlanta or uh, Carolina are going to get anywhere. Um, I, I think I think the Saints are uh, are the best team. And listen, I, I, I'm actually a Tom Brady super fan because I respect what he's been able to accomplish over the years. I mean, I don't care about the Flate Gate and all these other things. The man has been winning, and he's done it um, in the NFC South. He's done it in the AFC East. He, he's just done it, right? He's done it with Bill Belichick. He's done it without Bill Belichick. He's, you know, I mean, came down to, to Tampa Bay and, and hung out with Mr. No Risk It, No Biscuit, pushed the ball down the field when others said he was, his arm was a noodle arm. And I just, you, you have to respect them. The problem is I just think the Saints are the best team in NFC South right now. And that's the only reason why, why I'm taking them. Um, and, and I'm just – I'm disappointed in myself that I had to have Kamish come on here and feed me these eyes. I mean, this is stuff I'm supposed to be on. Pardon me, folks. It is still July. But, uh, I mean, those are odds I, I should have been on, and I, I really appreciate that, uh, Kamish. And, though, you know, you, you've got me excited. Now I've got to go – I'm going to be hunting these lines all night. I'm not even going to be able to go to sleep. That's why he's part of the SAORG team. He's sharp, man. Great minds linking together and – uh, it seems like a, a bet with a ton of value. Uh, TJ, a, a big reason why we like the Saints is because while defense usually travels and translates, I, I think this Tampa Bay defense is only going to get better as time goes on. And Antoine Winfield's getting better. They bring in Logan Ryan. You bring in Akeem Hicks, I think, is an underrated pickup from Chicago. He's still got a little bit of gas in the tank. And, of course, you know, Levante You know David, where Akeem Hicks is from? Probably somewhere in Canada, if I had to guess. Saskatchewan. What you the U of R. So you really like this guy. <laughs> good guy. Good guy. Keem Hicks. Uh, yeah, this, this Bucks team is definitely obvious. It's that was one of the reasons why I felt we could go so long on the Saints is there's not too much to talk about this team with this team. They're the favorite to win the division for a reason. Um, Mike Evans is one of uh, my favorite later, uh, 
draft picks you can get in from a season long or best ball perspective this year. Um, he's going in like the third round, late second. And I think that is absolutely fantastic odds for him. But having said that, I do think this team, I don't think this team's going to disappoint, but I don't think they're going to be as far and away the top team in the division. Uh, like uh, they're being projected to be commission. I'm happy you brought up uh ball sack sports. Cause we were, we were talking, talking smack earlier in the pod saying that uh, this is uh, we're, we're, we could, we could top these guys on these uh, ESPN shows that they got going on TV and ESPN got ball sack sports yesterday with a fake John Morant quote. So uh, they're, they're falling behind. We're uh, this is the top tier analysis here on the food for thought pod. Yeah, man, we try not to quote anybody other than ourselves and, and like maybe Dean when he's away and not <laughs> listening. By the way, he's mushing the ever-living hell out of the Colorado-San Diego game. I don't know if you saw Dean's Twitter. We love you, Dean. But he said he's in attendance and he's going to mush this game. It's 3-1 in the seventh. And you know I how don't tr- want to talk about it you know because how I would that be game winning was. so much money if I didn't take out Manny Machado. And you know Manny just hit a bomb too, by the way. I do. I do. Did I reverse mush oh, that? Good God, man. You, you knew this was going to happen. You knew it. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Let's close this thing out, Luch. I think I think we're at the end now, right? Well, well, hey, I need it to be NFL season because I won a buttload of money in NFL last year, and the last couple nights of MLB have been a one for one or a two for two away from thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for me. So I'm I'm tilting baseball right now. I'm ready for it to be done. I just I just and Chief, I want you to think food for a minute because you got to get something brewing, but. Uh, the, with the Tampa Bay win total, I'm looking at scores and odds right here. By the way, nine ninety nine special for premium package for your first month right now. Our July special at scores and odds nine ninety nine for your first month. You get everyone's picks over there. Commission does picks. Chief does picks. I do picks. Andy Means does picks. Noto does picks. He had a long PJ out, uh, outright winner recently. Our team just crushes. Our prop model is amazing. I'm Keith Eister. It does a bunch of free stuff. Tim Buell, I mean, the list goes on. Grant, of course, Grant's all over the web now with his home run calls and everything. Anyway, um, Tampa Bay is hopeful. Chris Godwin's ready for the opener. I, we know how that works. Even if it's a slow thing or a pitch count thing early, I, Tampa Bay has got a brutal schedule to start the season. At Dallas, at New Orleans, versus Green Bay, versus Kansas City, a little bit of a break at Atlanta. And then they travel to Pittsburgh, which despite who's playing quarterback, you got to go to the new Heinz field, whatever they called it. That that's uh that's, you I mean, if Tampa Bay starts off slow, that might even be a case where you get a break on some of their futures odds. I, I don't know. Playing the, uh, the live betting market from week to week commission, like you said, in the NFC South here is definitely going to be eye opening and, and something to monitor for sure. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't know how often you guys have listened to this podcast, but we like to talk about food and a lot of people are really passionate about food, whether it's like debating like flats or drums or this or that, or sometimes we like to highlight local eateries we've been to. We even have one of our favorite guys, one of our loyal listeners, Scotty, Scotty Peppers uh, sent us a trial case of hot sauce, Gotham hot sauce, Scotty, your stuff is so good. Check out Gotham hot sauce. So uh, we know it's resonating a little bit here, but chief, I know this is the first one of the year and I'm hoping you got something good to ask our excellent guests here that we have well i'm gonna give you a brief story time because you know we typically do story time at the beginning but this is a uh i had a a cookout at my uh my girlfriend's aunt's house for fourth of july and this is not a brag it's 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 more so about 
the conversation I had. So uh, one of the people at the cookout said, hey, this is one of the people I haven't met before. So I've met a lot of her family, but hadn't met this person. He says, hey, uh, man, he said, this was some of the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. He says, do you own a restaurant? <laughs> I said, oh, oh, no, sir. No, no, no. I, I, I don't own a restaurant. I own a podcast. Um, but the bottom line is I, I did, and I did get a chance to taste the ribs and taste the chicken. And listen, I must say it was probably some of my best work. I wasn't trying to impress anyone, but it did end up that way. At the end of the day, everyone was calling me the grill master. The problem with being called the grill master is now uh, I'm probably going to, going to try to, uh, they're probably going to try to get me to do all the grilling and all the cookouts. And that's something I don't want to do as much as I love it. Sometimes I just want to go and enjoy it and sit down in the cool house uh, while everybody else is on the hot grill. But that's my story time for today. So that was Chief's Chicken and Ribs. Um, got a special recipe that I use for two of those things. Won't give it out now, but I will give it give it out at, a, at another point. But that's my food for, for thought story time. And if you guys got, if you guys have any food plugs that you want to give, by all means, please uh, throw it on in there. We'd, we'd be happy to oblige. Yeah, do either of you guys have a favorite restaurant or favorite local restaurant or anywhere to go up, up where you're from? I mean, we have listeners all over and you'd be surprised with some of the feedback where people know what you're talking about or they've been there and, and stuff like that. Um, TJ, I know you have an entire country of food up there that I don't, I know nothing about. Here in Saskatoon, where I am, there's a local burger joint called Ace Burger, and it's truly the best burger you can find in the whole city. Um, in terms of uh, Canada takes for fast food, if you're, if you guys are ever up in Canada, Go to an A&W because the A&Ws here are so much better than the A&Ws in the States. And I don't know why, like the menu is different. It's a totally different menu. The burgers are called different things. Um, and it's really, really good. It's the best fast food you can get uh, in, in terms of a burger here, I think. Um, and then uh, obviously, you know, here in Canada, uh, the big food is poutine. People love talking about poutine. It is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But uh, if you're just don't order it, if it's at a place with like that just drops like shredded mozzarella and cheddar cheese on there, it's got to be the real Quebec cheese curds. Otherwise, uh, it's just another uh, fry dish. Sounds good. Kamish, what's good over in Cleveland? You have a favorite spot or two or, or do you like going? There's one place that I was turned on to recently. I was just looking up. I, I couldn't remember what I had there, but the name of the restaurant is Astoria. It's a cafe market. They, they have spirits there, but the food is incredibly fresh. They have, it's a seasonal menu. So all of their vegetables, produce, all of that is all relatively local. You're not going to get asparagus in November in Cleveland, Ohio at this place. But if you get it, if you get it during the summer, it's fantastic. Uh, th- their meat is all top tier, high quality. The service is fantastic. They have a beautiful patio out on the, the the deck too so it, like if people love to go sit outside in the summertime it's, it's become one of my favorite spots i i definitely take people there when they, they come visit now uh great wine that, that you can pair with, with with whatever food dish you have the staff is very knowledgeable about what type of wine to recommend with what food so i, lo- I love that if you want to go and just have some phenomenal pizza as well they can do that they have a little sports bar area 
The pizza is fantastic. It's not super greasy. Again, like all their toppings, whether you get mushrooms or different cheeses or sausage or whatever on it, it it's all incredibly fresh. It's some of the, the, it, the pizza sits better than I think almost any pizza that I've ever had elsewhere is up there in taste too. So I would definitely recommend Astoria if you happen to be in Cleveland. I didn't know this was part of the podcast. So I definitely, there's quite a few other places in Cleveland I could highlight going forward if I happen to be invited back. Oh, you'll be back uh, as long as you want to come back. We're always looking for guests during the season, part of the uh, RGSAO crew. But we're going to start a list, Chief. We're going to just start an Excel doc with all these places, I think. And then maybe we can go on tour one of these. Uh, maybe in the off season we can go on a tour. That would be that would be awesome. Uh, I discovered a place through um, uh, my cousin in Atlantic City. Uh, usually I don't really venture outside of the casino walls unless I'm going over the bridge to uh, bringing teen or somewhere else. But uh, the Ducktown Tavern is awesome. And if you've been to Atlantic city and you go there a lot, I'm sure you've been there. Phenomenal food, a place you never thought like it would be where it is. Dive inside, great outdoor section outside, great place to watch some games that aren't in the casinos. The Ducktown Tavern in Atlantic city. Uh, that's the place to be for sure. But Listen, that that was a, a lengthy pod. I think we kicked off the season on the right foot. This is what this podcast is about. Um, Kamish, where can the people find you on Twitter? And, you know, what are some of the exciting things you have coming up that you're working on? You can find me on Twitter at Delphi Kamish. It's D-E-L-P-H-I Kamish. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of great stuff coming up with, with SAO. We're going to be doing Twitter spaces every Thursday leading up to the regular season. So we're going to do eight weeks of the preseason stuff. And then we're going to lead it right into the first Thursday night football matchup of the year between the bills and the Rams on, I believe that's September 8th. We're going to do a two hour long special that night. So we're going to do the NFC West preview preseason preview and just lead that right into the game preview, give out some free plays and stuff like that. We're also going to be going week by week. We're going to do a, a full team preview for all 32 teams. So we'll take a look at the offense, look at the defense and, and we'll get some of that up on, SAO for free as well. So definitely looking forward to it. And then once we get the season started too, we last year we did the the pick'em and the survivor pool articles as well on a weekly basis, mixing in that with all the player prop and the sides and the totals and all of that good stuff. So really looking forward to it. It's going to be a busy eight week ramp up to the NFL season. But anybody who's reading all that stuff and tuning into the spaces and tuning into this podcast, they're definitely going to be prepared to make some well informed bets and and to get a good handle on on what to expect in the early part of the season. Awesome, man. We, we thank you so much for joining us. And, and TJ, what, what do you do besides call people out at RG about their uh, basketball talents? <laughs> Where can the people find you? <laughs> so you can find me on all the socials at TJ underscore Zwarich five Z W A R Y C H um, at RG. You can find me doing crunch time, doing grinders live expert surveys every Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, as well as my Agents of Fantasy article every Tuesday and Friday. I highlight my favorite tournament pitchers, tournament stacks, and that'll be something that will switch up the format format for NFL and NBA, but definitely keep it going. And uh, if you just like hearing the sound of my voice or if you like uh, reality TV or movies and other television, uh, I host two other podcasts as well, my Agents of Fandom podcast and uh, – Ticket to Reality podcast on Agents of Fandom. We talk Marvel, Star Wars, DC, Ticket to Reality. We uh, talk reality TV shows. And uh, we I host that with a member, uh, uh, former finalist from the Circle Netflix, Lee Swift, as the, we talk Big Brother, talk uh, Survivor, all that kind of fun stuff. And 
you can find it all on www.agentsoffandom.com. Awesome stuff, man. We, we thank you too, man. Appreciate your input uh, and all your takes today were awesome. And, and of course, last but not least, Chief, for people who may have never tuned in before, what's your Discord channel and, and what are you doing at RGSAO coming up? Yeah, man. Um, always in the prop shop. Just got a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, we got soccer, we got MLB, we got Summer League, we've got Counter-Strike Global Offensive CSGO, we've got League of Legends. We've, we've got so much going on in there. And uh, listen, you know, I, I had a really good day today. Have a really good day a lot of days and so i'm really blessed and thankful to be able to do this on a daily basis and provide this to people that's chief's prop shop in the roto grinders discord it is my discord channel personally um and i try to make sure we keep it clean we keep it fun and we make sure everybody makes money together uh no bankroll left behind so that's that's what we do um and then of course you know food for thought is going to be here i'll be on the blitz uh, show as well again this season for a third season in a row so i think we've been been doing really well there and uh just super glad that you guys were able to come on and hang out with us thanks a bunch commish tj i uh, really appreciate you guys Absolutely. i guess i uh, am always willing to come back on and chat with you guys this has been a blast yeah thank you guys and thanks commission uh yeah stick with us next week we will be back we'll be talking some more best ball definitely go over there and check out spike week we'll have mr spike week on himself um and uh it's gonna be a fun one so goodbye for now for will priester and tj and the commission um justin see you later